0: Good morning, friends. What do you do when you think you've blown it, but you aren't quite sure? Well, that's going to be part of my message today. The message title I'm going to use is, Did I Make a Mistake? I'm going to use two Bible passages, Romans 8.28 and Hebrews 11.8. So let's go back to that original question. What do you do when you think you've blown it, but you aren't quite sure? I mean, maybe you shouldn't have changed jobs. Maybe you shouldn't have bought that new house. Maybe you shouldn't have moved to the new city. Maybe you shouldn't have taken that big promotion. Maybe you shouldn't have started a new business. But what do you do then? Well, it's always easy to look back and criticize yourself for the decisions you've made. We've all done that. We call it second-guessing. It's normal. It's natural. And to a certain extent, it can sometimes be useful. But at some point, you got to just build a bridge and move on. And not long ago, I received an email that said something like this. How can I trust God with my future if I secretly think my past decisions were wrong? Well, friends, we've all been there at one time or another, and some of us have been there many times. You bought that new house only to discover that the foundation has cracks in it, and now your dream home has become a nightmare, a money pit. You took the new job because your old boss was a jerk only to discover that your new boss is three times jerkier than the old boss. You moved to a new city hoping for a fresh start, but the promised job never really materialized and you discover that the people in the new city aren't particularly happy to see you or you decided to find a new church home because you didn't like all the gossip at your old church so you switched only to find out that the people at the new church are pretty much like the people at your old church i mean you prayed for a long time about starting a new business and when the time seemed right you took a step of faith made the leap started the business only to see it fail within nine months just one of many failed ventures in the general economic downturn. Now, one key factor joins all these examples, which could easily be multiplied, and it's this. You prayed about it before you made your decision. You took all the steps you knew to take, including seeking godly counsel, considered the circumstances, searching the Bible for God's wisdom, and what I'm saying is this, you truly believed that you were doing the right thing, but it didn't work out. And now you wonder, did I make the right decision? Worse, down deep in your heart, you ask the question that was posed in the email I received. How can I trust God with my future if I secretly think my past decisions were wrong? When I think of all these down-to-earth examples, my mind kind of goes back to the story of Abraham, who answered God's call, left Ur of the Chaldees, gave up his idol worship, and set out to follow the Lord. Hebrews 11 puts this momentous step of faith in its proper perspective. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. That verse poignantly illustrates a central truth about the life of faith. And it's this, you never see the big picture in advance. Even if you think you see it, you don't. When God calls, he doesn't always explain himself. He always tells you just enough to get you moving in the right direction. And it is precisely at this point that Abraham's greatness may be clearly seen. God called and he obeyed. Hebrews 11.8 says, he obeyed and went. He may have doubted, but he went. He may have argued, but he went. He may have wondered, but he went. See, when God calls, the only proper response is to obey and go. Now, maybe some of you are old enough to remember the old Greyhound bus commercials. It was, Go Greyhound and leave the driving to us. Well, that's not a bad motto for the life of faith. When God calls, move out and leave the driving to him. But there is more to the story than that. First of all, when Abraham arrived in the Promised Land, he immediately discovered that some people weren't glad to see him. <clears throat> Genesis twelve six that he eventually arrived at Shechem and the Canaanites were in the land. Well, the Canaanites would become the sworn enemies of Israel, and when Abraham arrives in the Promised Land, the first people he meets are pagan idol worshippers. It's a reminder that living by faith is never easy. Not for Abraham, not for you, not for me. Second, Abraham soon faced an unexpected crisis. Genesis 12.10 says, Now there was a famine in the land, And Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was so severe. Isn't that interesting? God sends him to a new land and then sends a famine just as he's ready to settle down. That fact in and of itself is not unusual, but the timing ought to catch our attention. After Abraham's great step of faith, you would think that God would give him a period of peace and quiet. But life is rarely that simple for any of us. God often sends trouble following a period of prosperity to test our motives. Are we serving him just because things are going well? I mean, what if we'd lose our job or our marriage or our friends or our reputation or wealth or home or health? Will we still serve him then? It's crucial to see the larger point. The God who called Abraham is the same God who sent the famine when he arrived in the promised land. The call and the famine go together because they come from the same place. If we believe in a God who oversees all the details of life, that must be true. Life is short for all of us, and if any of us had a chance to do it over again, we would probably make the same decisions differently, make some decisions differently. I know I would, but that choice is not given to us. If we don't believe in God and in his sovereignty, we are doomed to frustration because we will replay our bad decisions over and, over and over and over and over and over again. But if we believe in God and his sovereignty, at some point we must move on. The only way to do that is to focus on God and his greatness and his goodness. This is where Romans 8.28 comes into play. We know that for those who love God... All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I hope you heard that. All things. Does that include the good things that happen to us? Does it include the decisions we make that turn out well? Well, We know the answer is yes. Does it include the worst things that happen to us? Does it include even our bad decisions? Well, friends, if words mean anything, then the all things of Romans 8.28 must include those decisions we think we would make differently. See, at some point we just need to pray a prayer like this. Lord, I believe you can use those things, all things, for my good and for your glory. I believe it because your word says it. And I also believe that if I trust you, you will prove yourself faithful to me, even though right now I have my doubts about how my life is working out. In other words, the past is gone and we can't go back. As a wise man once said, the key to a better future is to stop trying to have a better past. Now here's the most profound thing I know about the past. If words mean anything, then the all things of Romans 8.28 must include those decisions we think we would make differently. In other words, it is what it is. You can't live in the past, and you can't live in today forever. The voice of God calls us onward toward tomorrow. Now, here's a series of three statements. I'm going to call them the first law of spiritual progress. It kind of goes like this. I can't go back. I can't stay here. I must go forward. You can't go back to the past, not to relive the good times or undo the mistakes you made. But you can't stay where you are either. I mean, life is a river that flows ever onward. It matters not whether you are happy in your present situation or whether you seek deliverance from it. You just can't stay where you are forever. The only way is to go forward. When you're tempted to despair, remember that you can't go back. You can't stay where you are, but by God's grace, you can move forward one step at a time. God's call is always onward, forward, moving out by faith into the unknown future. This is not easy, but it must be done. And when we do it, we will discover a well of joy springing up to refresh our soul as we march onward with the Lord. We can't change the past, and even if we could, we can't always be sure we would improve things. But we can trust the Lord, go forward, and leave the results in his hands. Until next time, friends, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.